Well, let's get into the word. Today's proverb of the day is, I chose verse 17 out of chapter 14. The start of an argument is like the first break in a dam. Stop it before it goes any further. That's a good one there. I had to learn that one, right? So we've been in a, a sermon series about uh, things that Jesus is passionate about, and we've been mostly going through words that are printed in red, the words of Jesus in the Bible. And um, today, uh, I, I've been reading this book, um, and uh, I'll share a little bit, but, but, but the last words of people when they're like dying usually are very thought through, they're passionate words, something that, you know, what are you saving up for the last to say? And so when people get to the very end of life, maybe sometimes what's most in their mind, and there's, there's a, there are books out there about what famous people have said in their last moments, and they're usually very, very passionate words. I, okay, so the name of the book is, I'm not, I'm not pushing the book, but it's, it's an interesting read. It's called uh, Last Words of Saint Sinners. Um, and, um, and so I'm going to read a couple of them to you. First one is Thomas Paine, okay? You know, founding father, you know, one of those guys from way back then, 1700s, early 1800s, Thomas Paine. He, he was, by the way, he was, he was a man who, um, renowned American author, but um, controversial. He, um, he really railed against God. He railed against the scriptures. He, 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 and he died. He was very disillusioned and, and very unhappy man. He, um, he, he died in 1809, and he, he, he didn't believe that the Bible um, was the Word of God. He thought it was just a book of literature. He didn't believe in miracles. And um, he wrote this book called The Age of Reason. And um, it was a, you know, it's not popular now, but it was a, it was a book that basically um, really shredded the faith of many immature people, immature believers. And so here's what he said, um, being, being accompanied by um, a doctor as he died. I would give worlds if I had them, that age of reason had not been published. Oh Lord, help me. Christ, help me. Oh God, what have I done to suffer so much? But there is no God. But if there should be, what will become of me hereafter? Stay with me for God's sake. Send even a child to stay with me, for it's hell to be alone. If ever the devil had an agent, I have been that one. Six people attended his funeral. They just didn't want to be around the guy. It was just a, um, uh, there's a the noted um, French um, author, a guy named Voltaire. That's a pen name. And he used that pen pretty effectively to try to retard people's faith and, and to demolish Christianity. In fact, at one point in his lifetime, he made this boast. He said, curse the wretch. He's speaking of Christ. He says, in 20 years, Christianity will be no more. My single hand shall destroy the edifice that it took 12 apostles to rear. Anyway, so he was accompanied, you know, and this is a, here's a deathbed statement from him recorded by his doctor, and, he, and, and the doctor said he cried these words out desperately. He said, I'm abandoned by God and man. I would give half of what I'm worth if you give me six months' life. He's bargaining with God even then. Anyway, then I shall go to hell and you'll go with me. Oh, Christ, oh, Jesus Christ. Desperate words. I mean, these are passionate. By the way, People are passionate about things they say, not just the ones that are headed into uh, eternity without Christ, but people who die in the Lord. Um, Augustus Toplady, who um, is, is the person who, who wrote the hymn, Rock of Ages, final words, the consolations of God to such an unworthy sinner are so abundant that he leaves me nothing to pray for but a continuance of them. No mortal man can live after the glories which God has manifested to my soul. He's full. Catherine Booth, who was the wife of the founder of the Salvation Army, she said this, the waters are rising, but so am I. 
I'm not going under but over. Don't be concerned about the dying. Go on living well, and the dying will be right. I mean, great words. These are passionate, wonderful words. And uh, today I want to share, we're going to look at some of the last words of Jesus that we see um, that he made on this earth. And, um, and, and certainly this, is, this will not be the, the last time that he's spoken, but this is the last time words that he said on this earth. And, um, and these are not going to be all of his last words. Um, in fact, to see all of his last words, you kind of got to gather all the Gospels together, plus the, the book of Acts and, um, and see this. But, but you're going to notice that his last words are going to be on the topic of missions. His last words, his, his final passionate words are about missions because Jesus is passionate about missions. And um, I have to say that when, when that word first came up the first time that I heard a preacher talking about that, my eyes kind of glassed over and I thought, I am never going to, you know, the jungles of South America. I heard a missionary talk about having to eat monkey eyeballs and that did it for me. <laughs> have no interest in hear, hearing about this. But Jesus has got some passion about it. So um, we're going we're to be in Matthew 28 for our text today, verses 16 to 20. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain, which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Then Matthew inserts this. As he finishes his gospel, he says the word, Amen. So be it. Lord, um, as we get into your word today, this is the one thing that you honor above your name, and that's your word. Your word will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain. So, Lord, as we spend time in your word, we, we, we ask, Lord, for you to sift our hearts. And by that, I mean help us to, to, to get our, our grip upon what it is that you're saying to us and let the, the, all the chaff blow away in the wind. In the name of Jesus, amen. So his last words here are about missions, and we're going to walk through this verse, and I just want to spend just a couple of minutes kind of setting this up and, and walk through this again and just kind of start at the very beginning, verse 11. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. That's where Jesus' ministry had begun, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. Now, um, different translations, the NIV says, to the mountain he told them to go to. The NASB says, to the mountain he had designated. Jesus calls this meeting. And he calls this meeting in a very special place, and he's basically saying, "Hey, everybody, guys, you know, I'm 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 out. I'm going to be out there in a minute. I've got some stuff I want to talk to you about. This is going to be my final thing, my final marching orders. My bottom line: get everybody together in that place." And um, you know, some people suggest that there was 500 or more people there. Other people say it was just the disciples. We know for sure the disciples were there because it says the 11 disciples were there. Um, um, and so um, after Judas, that would have been 12 minus Judas, right? So 11. And it says the 11 disciples went into Galilee to this place. He directs them, verse 17. When, he, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, that's just kind of like us, right? I mean... Some weeks it's me, some weeks it's you, and sometimes we're strong in the faith, and other times we're just kind of struggling. You know, we're not quite as strong. And so Matthew is just basically describing a typical worship gathering, I think, here. And they worshiped him, and some doubted, the word says. Verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, and now he starts into his final words. And I want to remind you, these are not all of his final words, but um, have no doubt that Jesus had gone over what he wanted to say to these guys. He knew exactly what he wanted to communicate here. There was, this was not an off-the-cuff meeting. He, um, you know, it'd be like you if you were 
um, getting ready to speak somewhere and you knew about it for three days in advance, you'd be thinking it through, you'd planning it through. If you're going to stand in front of people, you'd have a plan. Um, by the way, um, I think uh, Isaac and Emily had 15 minutes notice. Hey, we expect you to say something at the podium. Um, but that's not what this was. Jesus planned this out and he's got some time and he's very prepared and he knew exactly what he wanted to say and he begins, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, Jesus was not one to play the authority card, the ace, you know, hey, you know who I am? He did not do that very often. You can hardly even find that in the Gospels. I mean, you don't see him, do you know who I am? Now, that's why I've called you. You just, just, you just don't see that very often. I mean, I remember when my dad said, hey, because I'm your dad, what other information do you need, Terry? I mean, anybody ever have that discussion? You know, mom or dad, okay? But, you know... <laughs> Um, but, but Jesus didn't really do that very often, but he does do it here. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, that is an impressive resume, okay? That's a pretty impressive thing. There, there's no place you can go that I'm not in charge of. There's no people that you can go to that I'm not in charge of. There's, there's no circumstances that you can encounter that I'm not in charge of. Look, Everybody, everybody says, I'm in charge. That's what he's saying here. Now, I want to ask the question, why would Jesus use the authority, play that authority card here? I mean, I think it's pretty, pretty simple. I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why I think he chose to, to uh, state that authority. Number one, I think he wants our full attention. You know, tune in, tune in, boys. I got something pretty important, and uh, I need you to hear this. And the apostles, these, these disciples, they were people just like you and me. They got, you know, when Jesus wants to talk to them about missions, and he's trying to get them to lift their attention off of whatever's going on in their souls and get their focus on him. It's kind of like there were times when I was trying to train a dog, that I was the God of its universe, and I literally, at times, a couple of times, <laughs> grabbed the jowls of my dog and pulled its nose right up against my nose and looked it in the eyes and told it what I wanted it to hear. I know you're thinking you're weird, but the dog, the dog paid attention to me. <laughs> it was what I had to do to establish my alpha dominance in my own house with my dog. Anyway, so, I mean, I'm, I mean, I think Jesus, Jesus... He, he, these people have things going on in their lives. But he needs their attention. He wants them to lift their attention past themselves. You know, they're thinking, they're just like us. They come to church. I got, I got you know, I got this stuff going on in my marriage. I got these family things, this stuff at work. And, um, you know, I got some stuff going on in my life. And frankly, Jesus, I don't really appreciate showing up. And hearing that today's sermon is not going to really bring me food that feeds the need that I need for us to talk about. And Jesus is saying, hey, pay attention. And by the way, as far as you know, showing up for church and the sermon doesn't have food for your exact circumstances, that's not really exactly true. Because if you walk with Jesus for long, you're going to figure out that some of the stuff that you're struggling with, you will never get past some of the things you're struggling with until after you capture the truth that it's not always all about you. <laughs> anyway, so this morning you might think, man, Terry, this missions thing, there is nothing in this for me. 
um, that's going to help me. And anyway, these, these disciples, Jesus knew that these disciples, they had family stuff going on. They had other stuff on their minds. And I think he points out his authority here because he wants them plugged into the fact that they better be listening even if this doesn't seem to play into what's the top thing on their list today. Okay, number two reason I think he wanted to eliminate the possibility of, of his orders being uh, questioned. You know, these guys, these 11 were going to go out and he wasn't going to be with them all the time right by their side to answer their questions or to solve their problems for them or to show them how the miracles are done. And he's basically, you know, and, and, and like most people in, everywhere, including in church, people have a lot of opinions about how things are going and, and uh, you know, they have the question, well, what exactly are we supposed to be doing here, Jesus? And he's basically getting ready to, getting ready to tell them, I, you know, I, I don't want you ever to wonder what you're to be about. I don't want you ever to wonder. I, I mean, I don't, we don't need to have any meetings about this. You don't have to pray about this. I'm going to settle all of that for you right now. Here's what you're supposed to be about. So he does his authority thing to get their attention, to eliminate his orders being questioned. And another reason is I think he wants to assure us of his support because we're going to face opposition. You know, because getting the gospel to the nations, it's not an easy thing. And, and when things get a little bit dicey, a little bit tough, a little bit challenging, you know, when you're telling people about me and all of a sudden you feel this lump in your throat and you're not too sure about your circumstances and you need to know I'm with you, you know, I'm going to be there with you. So he's getting ready to tell them that. And the fourth reason is I think he wants to assure them about their ultimate accountability to him about this topic. You know, guys, I'm going away. We will be getting back together again. And when you stand before me, I'm going to bring this up and I will, we'll, we'll have a little chat about how seriously you took this. So Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And he's really passionate about it here. And, and he, he made sure that we knew today how strongly he would feel about this by getting this recorded into his scriptures. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. I'm going to be with you. They're passionate. Now, as we move forward, I want you to see um, this thought, if you can see this thought in the text as we read this text again. Missions is about people. Missions is about people, okay? So it's not so much about places, it's about people. Okay, so Jesus says, go there, therefore, and make disciples. Now, I'm going to stop right there, and I, I'm, I might get into thin ice with some of you, but I'm going to tell you, make disciples is the only verb in this sentence, Okay, all right. The other words that you see in there, go, baptizing, teaching, those are actually participles, okay? And I know you didn't come here today for a grammar lesson. And when I read this, I thought, okay, do I see what I really see here as I study this out? And so I called a couple of grammar experts. They know more about grammar than you do. That's where you smile at me, go, well, you don't know who my, my, my experts are. Anyway, I don't know whether they know more about it than you do or not, but, but I, I wasn't sure, so I pushed this with a couple people, and they, and they sifted it like, I don't know how, and they agree, yeah, the, there's only one verb in this sentence, make disciples. Jesus was only telling them to do one thing in this sentence, make disciples. The, 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 other, the other words in there, the go, the baptize, that's about how you make disciples. He was just telling them one thing, make disciples. That's the Great Commission. That's our assignment on this earth. Disciples, that word disciples there is the most common New Testament term for Christians. 
But it means more than a mere believer. Um, a disciple is a student. A disciple is a learner. A, dis- a disciple is, is a follower, is, is someone who is, is committed to maturity. That's what a disciple is. So Jesus, when Jesus says, make disciples, he's saying, he's, he means more than make converts or more than lead people to the Lord. So I have a question for you. Um, and I ask myself this question. Are you just a convert and not a disciple? If that's you, fair warning, we're coming after you. We want to turn you into a disciple. Because we... <laughs> great to have approval from the back row. My daughter's... In, um, you know, it, 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 we want you to be a disciple, not because of anything other than because that will, that will lead you and bless you. But we'll, we'll more on that as we go here. Jesus' commission is more than just lead people to him. He can't, commands us to make true, genuine, committed followers of Christ. Now, I want to take just a short rabbit trail and uh, tell you why this is so important. And this rabbit trail is kind of a peak preview of where I'm going to be going series-wise after I finish this one. So in January, I'll be getting to the next series, and I'm going to talk to you about the topic of Security. Security. And I'm going to talk to you about the topic of security over a number of weeks at, at several levels. Eternal security, security in your home, and security for our nation. I'm going to be talking about those things. And um, I have to tell you, one of the, I think, the scariest scripture in the entire book is found in Matthew chapter 7, where um, Jesus is Jesus talking. And I'm going to paraphrase now. You can look at it later if you want. But be basically, maybe I should just look at it and read it. Matthew 7, um, verse 20, 21. This is Jesus talking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, Have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I, this is Jesus talking, and then I will declare to them, I never knew knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. To me, that is the scariest scripture in the entire book. People who think they're good with God. And they'll say, hey, we were doing all this stuff in your name. And Jesus isn't going to ask you what you did. He's going he's to say, I didn't know you. And the I didn't know you here isn't like, what, what, what was your name again? Because, you know, we've only met a couple. What was your name again, Terry? It's Terry, right? That's not what this is. I didn't know you. We weren't intimate. We weren't friends. You didn't dialogue with me. You weren't walking with me. I didn't know you. Anyway, um, as we get into that series, um, I want you to know this. God wants you to know that you know you are secure with him. And in fact, the book of 1 John chapter 2, late in the chapter, I think about verse 27 or 28, the, 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 in that letter, God tells us, he wants us to know. Anyway, so that's coming in January. And the Lord wants us to do more than lead people to him. He wants us to help people to know that they know that they know that when that moment comes, he'll say, enter in, my friend, Come on, I knew you. It's not going to be show me your checklist of accomplishments and the things you did. It's a scary scripture because so many people think they're good with God, but they don't know him. Anyway, 
That word go there is a participle. It's not a command. And we place so much emphasis on the word go. Um, what, what, is, what, what, is, what it's actually saying is as you are going, okay? It, it, it's as you're going or it could be translated wherever you're going. It could be, you know, wherever you go, make disciples, Wherever God has placed you, that's what you do. Wherever God has planted you, that's where you're supposed to bloom and make disciples. You know, wh- make disciples. Tell people about Jesus and teach them to follow him. Wherever you go, wherever God leaves you, wherever you believe you've been directed to him to go, go, make disciples. And Jesus loves people more than anything. You can see this all through his word. There are lots of people in this world, so many that we really don't get a hold of that. I mean, I can't really. This is a lot of people, okay? But you realize we don't even we don't even hit the we don't even make the needle move. So I got I did my nerd thing this week, and I thought, how many people are around here? Okay, so if we drive a stake down right here, and we had a radius of about five miles, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, that's about twenty thousand people. Had no idea, did you? You thought it was all goats and cows. 20,000 people are within, within a few miles of our church. 20,000. If, um, if you look at the census figures for Thurston and Lewis County, and we have people in the church, mostly in the neighborhood, but, but people from as far as Hawks Prairie and as south of Chehalis, east past Oakville. So, so uh, let's say Thurston and Lewis County, 350,000. A third of a million people in the two counties. State of Washington, 7.4 million. The United States, 326.4 million. The world, 7.4 billion. I mean, I went to this website and it says, you know, the current population counter. It's going, right? You like that sound effect? Everybody would, no. (laughs) Anyway, every person in this room, every one of them, living and breathing and, and, um, you know, but we're also different. We are, you know, different address, different phone number. I get all that with those different, you know, but different hopes and dreams and, and different background, different friends, different family, different appearance. We're all so different. And, and, and every single person in the world, all 7.4 billion, every one of them known by God and over which God has, has said, I love the world so much that I sent my son to, to, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Every one of them. Every person in the world different, but every person in the world so same that we all live, we all breathe, we all eat, we all sleep. We're all sinners. We all need the same Savior. We're all headed to eternity, you know, heaven or hell. And every one of us will not know salvation, the plan, unless another human being opens up and says, here's how it works. Okay, so missions is about people everywhere, everywhere. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And that word um, nations there is the the Greek word ethnos. It's, It's where we get our word ethnic. It means people groups, you know. So it's, you know, Americans and Africans and Chinese and Australians and Europeans and Taninans, <laughs> wherever Tanino is. And, 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 you know, and we as Americans, we kind of wave our flag, um, good old USA, you know, Christian nation, 
you know, of course, that I know what they mean by that, but you know there's no such thing as a Christian nation. People can become Christians. Nations don't become, you know, they, there's no way for a nation to have a relationship. Okay, so, I mean, it's kind of nonsense, but, but, but USA Christians, we kind of tend to be self-centered. We, we've got this, this idea that, you know, good old God, he lives somewhere near Denver. And anything that the Lord is doing in the world kind of stretches out from here. We kind of think that way. <laughs> and this is where God is, and this is where he starts, and this is his main place. And that's kind of a perspective that really isn't um, well-read or traveled, because um, I think you get outside of the U.S. borders and take a look back, and you, you would probably maybe already conclude this, that the United States of America, um, God blesses this land, and I'm happy to be here, and I'm patriotic. This, I'm not down on our country. I love our country. But the United States of America is one of the darkest places on the planet. It really is. You know, um, yes, the gospel is here, and um, there's a great moral foundation at the beginning of our country, and, and God has blessed us in so many ways, but darkness is here too. And, um, you know, I mean, the greatest moves of the world, uh, in the world that the Lord is doing are, are, are not even happening in the United States, not even close. I mean, Statistics right now, I've got all over the map on this, but they said between 85,000 and 150,000 people a day are finding salvation in Christ around the world. The vast majority of those are not happening in the United States. And there are revivals that are breaking out in you know, sub-Saharan Africa and in South America and in Korea and different places. Um, and, and, and a lot of those places, they're just where Christians are fired up about laying down their thing for God. And... Um, you know, their churches, their programs are maybe minimal, but the people are fired up about sharing hope. And, um, you, you know, the U.S. Christianity is, is in many ways a, a kind of a watered-down version of what you might see in other places. And, and, and the needs are really great around the world. 47% of the world still has no national church. In other words, 47% of the countries in the world, if you were able to move there, if you moved there and you said, okay, okay, we're here now, but we've got to find a good church, Good luck. There isn't one in 47%. They're just, but if there is one, it's, it would be an anemic little church that can barely sustain itself, let alone gather a burden about reaching out to people. Okay, but here's God's, here's God's heart about that. I mean, that's kind of sad. Here's God's heart about it. Here four quick verses. Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will, he says. I will be exalted in the earth. Isaiah 52, 10. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Wow. God looks at the world, and when he looks at the world, he doesn't see the good old USA. He sees the whole world. Every race, every people, every nation. He doesn't speak in English. <laughs> God speaks in all the languages. He's all the people around his heart. Isaiah 61, 11, For as the earth brings forth its bud, I'm going to go slow and this is a powerful, as the earth bring forth, forth, brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in, in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Wow. I'm so glad that we don't have to work that. God will do it. 
Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. God has a heart for missions because missions are about people and missions are about people everywhere, everywhere. God loves the people of the world. It's the people of the world that he loves. It's not the planet. It's the people, the people in the world. Um, after all, the planet's going to burn and it's going to be, he's going to build a new one at some point. It's, it's the people. It's, it's the little orphan boy in Calcutta. It's the, the executive that lives in Manhattan. It's the, um, the, the dad in France. It's the widow who doesn't have enough resources and lots of demands and needs who lives in Iowa. It's, you know, it's, it's the native in the jungles. of it's, He loves all of them. Missions is about change lives through the power of the gospel. That's it. Missions is about change lives through the power. Nothing more than that. It's as simple as that. It's just about getting people. It's, 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 it's not only about getting people saved. It's about discipleship. The power of the gospel. It's about change lives through the power of the gospel. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. I'm going to tell you a story. And um, I'm going to, not a story, it's, I'm going to tell you about a, a man I know. And I save this to the end of the message because there's a chance that after I tell you this, I'm going to lose you. You're not going to hear anything else I say. So um, it's going to be a little controversial in your own heart. And so I'm going to ask you, I'm going to first, I'm, I'm not telling you who this is about. He doesn't come to this church. Don't ask me who it is. Don't try to figure it out even. Okay? Just leave that part of this alone. Um, <clears throat> but this, this, this fellow that I know is a very sensitive to the, to the word of God. He, he's just sensitive to the voice of the Lord. And um, it's not unusual for him to be going about his merry way and the Lord will place somebody on his heart that he knows or doesn't know. And the Lord will give him something encouraging to tell that person. It's a prophetic word, basically. It's supernatural, and it doesn't bring glory to this guy. It's not predicting the future. It's an encouragement from the Lord who sees all and knows all about that person, what's in their heart, what's been in their past. And, and this, this person has just learned to obey the king. He's not responsible for anything other than obedience. Better to obey than to sacrifice, right? Anyway, so he says, he says, okay, Lord, what is it? And he'll have it, and he'll go to a person and he'll say, hey, you don't know me, but um, can I give you an encourage, encouraging word from the Lord? Can I give you something encouraging? Very few people will say, no, don't encourage me. Total strangers. Total strangers. And he's learned. Now, I want you to know that um, he's learned to do this in places that you and I wouldn't go because it would be scandalous if we went there. And um, for, for that obedience, he's paid a price. There are people in the body of Christ who shun him because of this. And I also want you to know this. What he does is under the covering of his pastor and, and leaders of his church, but more importantly, it's under the covering of his wife who knows what he's doing. Okay? So... I'm going to jump forward a little bit and tell you that in 2017, I talked with him a couple of days ago. Um, it's not like it's not like he's stamping the side of the fuselage of his planes for how many enemy he shot down, but he said, "Yeah, I've led 52 people to the Lord this year, 52." And these are mostly people he doesn't know. The Lord will give him an encouraging word; he'll stop and tell them. But here's the part that um, that you m- might not be ready to hear. 
at least half of them are employees in bikini barista stands. Go ahead and have that argument right now with the Pharisee in your heart if you want, okay? Okay. Um, I have to tell you that there is a Pharisee that lives in a closet down in my heart. And it tries to come running out of my heart at moments like this. Because I'm thinking, what business do you have at the window of a bikini barista stand? Go to Starbucks. They got clothes on there. Okay, tell me you weren't thinking that too. Liar! <laughs> but there's something in me that just goes, uh, 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 uh. And um, I don't know why these women do this. They each make a decision to become employed in a place like that and to, to dress that way and, and, and sex sells. I get all of that. But as individuals, what made them decide to go that route? I don't know all of that. But are they in the all that God loves? And who is going to tell them the gospel? Most Christians won't. I can't go to that. First off, I don't really drink that much espresso stuff. Any, really. It's just, it's just my deal. Um, but what if Pat, you see Pastor Terry at the window of the Bikini Barista? What are you going to... Th- I mean, obviously, you're going to go, wait, 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 wait. What is going on here? What's Lisa say about this? You would rightly ask those things. But he's driven down the road before and had the Lord speak to him and say, hey, there's a girl at the counter. Go say this to her. And I know the fruit of this. I can tell you some of the fruit of this. And he'll turn his truck around. But Lord, I've already got a coffee. It's still full. I just got one at another shop. Get your tail over there. And he'll say, can I share a word? And he writes them down, hands it to her. She reads it. And more often than not, out come the tears. How did you know? I... God loves you is all I know. But is there any reason why you wouldn't want to have a relationship with a God who loves you like this? No. Well, why don't we make a decision right now? Can I pray with you? Yes. Now, is there any fruit? I don't know in every case. I can tell you some. Several of them with their husbands are now attending church. Some of them, I mean, in one case, there were five girls working at a stand, and four of them decided they didn't want to do that anymore. The stand had to close for a while while the owner got new staff. That's okay, isn't it? <laughs> we're not want to put somebody out of business, but the point is that it's the power of the gospel that changes lives. You know, he explains to these people, he'll say, you know, we're all sinners, and Christ died to pay for our sins, and he does this in a way that they don't feel judged, they feel cared about, and everyone can have eternal life through Jesus Christ because he paid the price of our sin. And he says, you can pray right now, would you like to do that? And, and, and they do it. It's like, I, I wanted to share this with you um, a little bit on the heels from last week where I talked about hypocrisy and how that Pharisee can rise up within us. And I wasn't meaning to push you in this, but I want to say that the Lord will send someone and he will, I wonder who didn't go. If there wasn't somebody somewhere that was supposed to, was sent at some point and just said, I am not, not doing it. Now, by the way, I don't think any of you have a ministry to bikini baristas. I really am seriously. I really don't believe any of you have that ministry. I think that it's a provocative and it takes a special called couple for that to work because the risks are high and, and so forth and so on. 
So I'm not standing up here saying, you know, get your tail over to the bikini baristas. I'm not saying that to you. Everybody hear me on that? But God loves those girls. And he'll send someone. And if they say no, he'll send someone else until he finds someone who says, go and make disciples, and they will go. And they'll go. And God changes every one of us, right? Doesn't he? He does. And that's what we're supposed to be about. So, so they hear the gospel, they get incredibly saved, and lives are changed by the power of the gospel. And that's their story. And you have a story too, don't you? I got one. <laughs> and I think we never forget that that's what missions is about. Missions is, is about one by one taking the powerful good news that transforms people's lives and sharing it. That's why Paul basically said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of salvation to those who believe it. And I think one of the reasons sometimes why we maybe can be ashamed of the gospel is because we just haven't seen its power demonstrated through us to transform somebody's life. But if you'll share it, if you will do it, and you'll let the Lord show you the power of it, it will change you, and you'll be bolder the next time. And the gospel is, is, is something really powerful that God's entrusted to us. And that's what missions is all about, changing lives through the power of the gospel. So I can say so plainly that Jesus is passionate about missions. He's fired up about it. And now, I chose this particular passage because it's really, really familiar. But you'll see Jesus on this thing, theme lots of places in Scripture. In Matthew 4, you see him talking to these guys. They're fishing. He says, hey, hey, hey. I know you're catching fish now. I will turn you into fishers of men. Same basic topic. And we see, you know, he's saying, I got some, we're going to see some big stuff happen. Lives are going to be changed and you're going to see it too. Here's another one where he calls, he calls the multitudes to himself, Matthew 11. He, he looks over the crowds of people and he's talking to thousands of people here and he says, come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. People need to hear about Jesus and that's the beginning of discipleship. So he's fired up about missions and he's saying in this passage, what he's saying here is, as you're going, wherever your feet are taking you, anytime, all the time, everywhere, everyone, share the good news. <laughs> now, to wrap this up and to close this, I want to give you four quick myths about missions, and then we'll be done, okay? Four quick myths. Myth number one, missions is only about foreign countries. That's wrong. Everything we do in this church you know, that's not for us and our own little selves, is missions. Foreign missions is important, and we're about that too, but it's not the only thing. And too often when people read this passage, they think, oh, this is about somebody that we give money to, and they go for us, and we're covered. No. Everywhere, every, all the time, everywhere you go, share the good news. Number two, um, second myth, missionaries are a special class of people. They're deeper and they're more spiritual than me. They're, you know, they're better Christians than I am. Wrong, wrong. They're just regular people. They're just like us with their own hang-ups and their own problems and, you know, whatever. They're just laying their thing down for God and seeing what he's going to do. That's the difference. That's it. Myth number three. Missions is only for those who have a seminary degree. Well, seminary is one way to get training, okay? Nothing wrong with seminary. But missionaries are basically, they're just mature Christians. You know, they're people who have, have, have something substantive in their life and th they can transfer to the lives of other people. That's basically it. There's something of real, something real in their life 
substantive, substantive, and they're able to transfer that to somebody else, and they go do it. Formal training is not the point here. The point is, that, you know, do you get, do you get how to walk with Jesus, and can you transfer that to another person through the Word of God? That's what it's all about. That's what missions is. Myth number four. Missions is for anyone who wants to go. I'm talking about distant missions is for anyone who wants to go. I don't think so. But I heard it put like this. Um, consider what God is doing through your life right here first. God's not calling you to do something somewhere else that you're not already doing here. <laughs> right? Okay. It, it's not going to happen there if it doesn't happen here. I mean, God is not calling you to do elsewhere until he needs elsewhere what you're already doing here. That makes sense? Okay. So, Jesus is passionate about missions. Now, you could say, hey, this is a week before Christmas Eve, Terry. You did this to get us to invite people. I wasn't thinking about that until just now, but it, you're right. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, we will share. We won't embarrass you. I wasn't thinking about this until just now, but Christmas Eve services, I'm not going to embarrass you if you invite your friends or family or co-workers. They will experience the gospel. They will experience the Christmas feel and season, and we get to play with candles and do those things. It's an hour. Um, go and make disciples. So if you have the opportunity this week, get someone to come with you next Sunday morning, 9.30 or 11.15, and we'll keep you for an hour, and they'll hear the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, um, it just seems like um, some mornings you want to get us to take our eyes and get them off of our own issues and to instead turn and look outward. Thank you, Lord, for, for that's a healthy thing. It really is a healthy thing for us to not always have our focus upon the issues in our own heart. And although this may come cross-grain, I don't want to stop for a minute, Lord, and pray about the burdens that came in here on our shoulders today. Lord, although we were led well during the worship and you ministered during that time, I know that the brokenhearted in this room have a hard time focusing outward because of the weight and the pain. And your word does tell us that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. There are people in this room that just need to have the strong neck of Jesus lifting the weight off of our shoulders. God, would you supernaturally do that today? Would you fill something of brokenness with wholeness and with hope? Would you intervene supernaturally for the needs that are present in this room today, for the needs that are present in the hearts of us today? And now beyond that, Lord, help us to lift our chin up and to instead see what it is that you want us to see out there. Lord, that the people that at work who we really like, that are really nice people, but they are rushing headlong into hell, help us to love them enough to smile and give them something of true hope. There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way for us to thread that needle, Lord, where our employer and our culture say, you don't bring up Jesus. So Lord, give us a supernatural opportunity to somehow smile and share hope and an invitation. And even if the invitation is just to come, hey, Christmas Eve, would you like to come? Whatever it is, whatever method, maybe in that moment, Lord, you'll give us the boldness we need, but help us, Lord, to go and make disciples of all nations. We'll start right here.
And Lord, I just ask you to forgive me for the times that I've been timid when I should be bold because you've promised to be with me always. And your heart is for those people. And it's not always about my abilities. It's never about my abilities, Lord. It's about what you're going to do. Tuck the gospel down into our souls to the point that it overflows and it comes out in the way we live. It comes out in our smiles. It comes out in our eyes. And it comes out in our words. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Church, would you keep your your heads bowed and your eyes closed? I just want to...